filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Normally, our fallback plan when we, we try and do these uh, openings is that if we don't have a funny story, there's usually uh, an adorable child story uh, from the two parents on the show. Um, it's true. I, I do not have uh, those kind of stories generally because I don't have any kids. And you don't uh, did you get a dog? A, Are you going to tell an adorable dog story because you got a go- dog? Or a cat? N- or no, a neither of those things are Or accurate. a cat? <laughs> I didn't get I a mean, dog. Adam- or a cat or a dog riding on a cat or a cat riding on a dog. And Adam was the one who tried to claim that dogs were gods because uh, he said God. <laughs> I, uh, I speak is, through. I don't know. This is a kids in the hall skit for, for <laughs> the older nerds out there. That's a that's a skit. Um, Did you get a God? I didn't. I didn't get any of those things. I didn't acquire anything in this process. Um, what happened was that. Did you turn into a dog? No. When someone asks if how, you were how is a dog involved? Say yes. This isn't Ghostbusters, guys. <laughs> let's stay let's stay focused on Filibuster, the podcast that always stays focused on what they were trying to talk about. Yes, that is all what we are known for. <laughs> <laughs> um so a friend of mine, uh well, two friends of mine, um, they just had like eight weeks ago, I guess, they had their third child. So they haven't been out and about very much. But they love to socialize and they finally were like, we have to have some people over. We're having people over. Um, So my friend Phil uh, was just, he was in charge of getting the college friends to show up. And he was like, Hey, come to my house. We're having Indian food um, and it'll be good uh, because his wife is an excellent cook. And it was very good. The food was outstanding. Um, So I get there and he then had, he's like, listen, there are more details about this uh, get together than I let on. And I was like, well, what's going on here? And he said, um, for years and years, he's been trying to get out of party planning with his wife, who loves to, to plan get togethers and parties and all kinds of things. He doesn't want to have any responsibility for anyone else's actions. So finally, that sounds like their, Jason. Their second daughter uh, is now four and has become old enough where. Uh, they decided that he would, he would remove himself from the planning equation and she would substitute in for him. Um, so this is a party that was planned in part by a particularly feral four year old. Um, (laughs) she's great, but she is definitely a feral child. Um, and so the, the food layout was, uh, samosas and chana chat, um, and some caprese skewers. Um, and a bunch of very delicious desserts and a veggie tray. But then in the middle of the table in the biggest bowl that they probably own was just Cheez-Its. And I walked in there, I started loading up my plate because I was, I was very hungry and I smelled samosas and I was like, I need these samosas. So I'm loading up my plate with everything I want on my plate and I'm coming around to the end and I'm like, what's with these Cheez-Its? Um, 
So I go back in there and he's like, did you see the Cheez-Its? And I was like, I did. And I asked myself, what's with these Cheez-Its? And he said, well, my daughter, uh, amongst her planning, uh, the, the thing she insisted on when she planned this party was that there had to be Cheez-Its. Um, and she wanted to say in the invite list. And the invite list was mostly her friends from preschool and then like three adults. And I was one of the three adults. So that's a, a feather in my cap. Um, hey but uh, the, the Cheez-Its were like the the one thing. Like this party can't happen if there's not a big bowl of Cheez-Its. Um, and I was like, do Cheez-Its go with uh, these foods in her mind? And he, and he was like, I think Cheez-Its are just, they go with anything and any occasion in her mind. They, Cheez-Its are always a correct choice. Um, yes. And I will give her, I'll give her some credit. Um, the kids that she invited circled back to just grab like a quick handful of Cheez-Its constantly. Um, there was a constant flow of children running around doing stuff and then taking a quick cheese at break and then going back to it. Um, and I think knowing your audience is very important and I think she nailed it. So, uh, who, I guess I was wrong to question the cheese at thing. It, it turned out to be exactly right. They weren't I for mean, you, but they were for the rest of the party. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, they're for us too, because we buy my daughter cheese. It's cause she loves cheese. It's, uh, all the time. And I snack on them constantly. So yeah, my, I just my buy more cheese all the time. And yeah, I I eat them and I'm I have no shame about it. I, I really hope your friend's feral four-year-old, as she grows older and matures as a party planner, just keeps on the cheese its as her thing. I, I want that into her future to just be hey. like a calling card. Giant bowl of cheese its party planning LLC. Regardless of what the the party might be. Yeah, hey, regardless, it could be a wedding. It could be her wedding, <laughs> and there will be a giant bowl of Cheez-Its. That is my that is my ambition for her. I want her hey, to che- throw the best party in the world, and there also to be a giant bowl of Cheez-Its. Hey, Cheez-It Company, you can sponsor us at filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Is that what? That, that's like Nabisco, isn't it? Yeah, like, they like it is Nabisco. Look, Nabisco, you got the money to sponsor our podcast to an extent that is beyond our wildest dreams, and yet also not notice the loss at all. So why don't you just get on that? Hey, I think there's no business case to not do that, in fact. <laughs> Give us I mean, hey, hey, well, $100,000 a year to talk about your product on this soccer podcast. Hey, Nabisco, you are losing money, not sponsoring. It's a rounding error for you, and for us, uh, it would be a, a life-changing windfall. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and sweet, sweet cheese it Money podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we talk about soccer, more specifically DC United. And we have an actual game that we actually saw on the actual internet to talk about this week. So that's what we're going to be doing. We are also in the second segment going to queue up in a discussion we had with Matt Doyle and spoiler alert. We pre-recorded that a little bit earlier in the night. So um, really good conversation with Doyle. He's always a great guest. I'm, I will ruin what I want to ruin, Ben. That is my prerogative (laughs) as host. Yeah, you will. I will step on jokes. I will muffle punchlines. I will do my damnedest to ruin things. That is that is what I do. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for just letting me on that. <laughs> uh, Matt Doyle, always a great guest, and and tonight is no exception. Before we do anything, though, Ben Yamin, what are you drinking? 
I took a uh, I took a cue from my dear wife. I am drinking amaretto and diet Dr Pepper. It's just it's just a nice sweet. It, it's the death of winter. I just need something sweet and. Does that highball have a name? It no, I, I don't. I mean, it probably does, but I don't know it. Uh, I mean, give it a name, then name that drink. Name it. I mean, I named I've a named, drink after Chris Pontius on this podcast once. You can right, name a drink. I, I've named drinks after my wife in this podcast previously. It's true. Um, it's similar to the drink I've named after her. It just doesn't have um, the the milk based component. But I mean, you it, can you can call it just uh, the whatever highball. Name it after her. Name it after something else. Whatever you want. Name it after your I'll, street. I'll call and it. The Wayne, I'll call it the Wayne Rooney. <laughs> there it is. Because it's because it's alcohol. It's settled. <laughs> it's any I mean, drink. <laughs> if, if it was a Wayne Rooney, I might. But well, no, no, I'm not going to yeah, allegedly yeah. get myself into anything. So no, nope, yeah. taking let's it all not, back. Let's not go there, Jason. What are you drinking? Uh, I went to make myself a uh, Kentucky Mule. But uh, as I was putting it together, I, I pulled the lime out. The one I need to get more limes. The one lime I pulled out, um, it looks like it's not particularly good. So I abandoned the lime and just made myself uh, some uh, Evan Williams on ice with some ginger beer. So it's everything but the lime. <laughs> it's still good. I mean, it's still ginger beer and bourbon. Those those go together. Yeah. You just don't have that acidity kicking yeah. through. What are you going to do? You gotta get more of those top shelf limes, man. You got the gotta salt, go the fat, but gotta not go the acid. To, uh, gotta go to limes to get limes. <laughs> uh, I I just have a Guinness extra stout because uh, that's what I found in my fridge. So that is what I'm having. Um, no other reasoning beyond that. You guys wanted to talk about soccer that we watched with our eyes. We did watch it with our eyes. I'm excited about this prospect. <laughs> We're we not like making up nonsense summaries. Uh, so for the first time in 2019, in fact, for the first time since November 1st of, of last year, we got to watch DC United play soccer. Uh, this past weekend, the black and red got a one, nothing preseason victory Saturday night over uh, the second tier Tampa Bay rowdies um, down in Florida at Al Lang stadium where the Tampa Bay Rowdies play. Uh, Paul Ariola got the goal. Lucho Acosta got the assist, which I'm pretty sure puts Lucho's goals and assists per 90 at a larger than one uh, number, which, hooray, uh, our, our theme of Lucho tearing everyone limb from limb this year is still on track. Please that's resign. what I'm rooting for. <laughs> please, please sign a contract. Please. DC United, throw more money at him. Just just do it. Put give, give him a release clause with an obscenely low number. I mean, it, that you're not going to do that, but do that. Um, just just get him signed. Pay the man his money. Um, not going to do the John Malkovich uh, rounders Probably voice because, best. yeah, I I, I have I've not had enough rounders. Guinness. All right, Ben, go see rounders, and then why? If you it's, are ever drunk, it's because it's actually movie. a pretty good. It's it's yeah. pretty good movie matt damon john malkovich it's it's a good flick ed norton from like a billion um, years ago yeah but it, they, they actually it's one of the few movies that actually gets cards correct it as the youngest person on this podcast i refuse yeah i mean 
it's not such a good movie that your life is like going to be lesser as a result of not watching it. So, you no. know, when your argument falls back on it, it, it doesn't get poker horribly wrong. That, <laughs> that, that is, that is, that is the card I'm going to is appropriately enough. Um, but I haven't had enough Guinness yet to, to think doing John Malkovich's accent from that movie is a good idea, which that bodes well for the rest of this podcast. You should <laughs> never try to impersonate John Malkovich. It's a good rule. Good rule. You aren't going to succeed. Uh, let, let's talk about this game. Uh, Lucho came in with some swag. Ariola had a little bit of swagger too. He did not, contrary to my uh, first impression, he did not score his goal with the back heel. He scored it with his leading foot, not his trailing foot. Um, but Lucho sent in a cross earlier in the game with a Rabona um, and and dribbled some guys to get to the end line uh, on the assist for for Ariola's goal. Ben, what what jumped at you uh, from this game? My first impression was I was super impressed, super excited about Leo Hara. I thought he bombed in, into the attack crate. I thought he uh, was trying to integrate well with Lucho Acosta and with uh, Paul Ariola uh, before he had to go off with a little bit of a knock. I thought he was really good. His defending We'll, we'll get there uh, as uh, someone uh, hopefully from uh, Boca Juniors will do, but I thought he's getting in sync with the attacking needs of DC United. And that's not something that DC United has had from that right side of defense in a while. Even Nick DeLeon love him. He's he's not that kind of attacking fullback, so I'm cautiously optimistic about what Leo Hara can bring to DC United's attack going forward. I actually thought his decision making, I didn't love it in this game. Um, there were some moments where it was obvious just he wasn't quite on the same page, and that's fine because it's preseason. But there were there were some other moments where he just he he wasn't quite in the right position, I thought, which is also learning, but there yeah, was a I, couple of moments where his decision making, I, I was like, eh, but I, I'm yeah, I'm willing to chalk that up to preseason because he he did have some moments. Yeah, I also thought in some moments he was too far ahead of the rest of the team. So I think it's going to be a balance. It's going to be a learning process, and hopefully it balances out. On the whole, I thought this was a, a mixed performance. There were some flashes from. Uh, from DC United, but they were, they were a little shaky coming out of the back. Uh, some of that I think is preseason. Some of it is playing, uh, against a surprise three, five, two high pressing team in, in Tampa that, that I, I don't think they expected. Jason, what were your thoughts on, on the performance? Um, I mean, I think it was adequate. It was a C plus performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I, I will say this. I think this was very useful. I think it was useful for them. Um, you know, over the years, when you play a USL team in preseason, a lot of times what you get is a team that is just trying to get their defensive principles down pat, and they're not really looking to attack very much. Uh, they don't want to get scored and, you know, concede a bunch of goals in front of their home fans, that kind of thing. Um, to their credit, the Rowdies didn't seem to worry about that. They wanted to work on being a high pressure three, five, two team. Um, 
they didn't really come in with any fear. So um, that's useful though. That's much more useful in my opinion than going in and facing a team that's going to sit in a bunker and have to break them down because how often is that going to happen in this coming season, especially in the first couple weeks, like Atlanta is not going to come in bunker at Audi field. So um, there, there is utility to this. I think um, United looked a little disinterested in the, in playing uh, in the early going. Um, I, I think they were a little surprised. I mean, Ben Olsen could see that they were a little surprised that um, Tampa Bay was coming after them so much and being physical and, and really trying to make a good, uh, a, a good show of themselves for their, their fan base. Um, so I think there's, that's a positive that they shook that they shook through that and had to sort of, um, you know, get a little physical themselves uh, to get, get themselves back into the game. Cause the first 10 minutes were pretty much all Tampa. Um, but uh, at the same time, I think once United adjusted, they were pretty clearly in control. Not didn't necessarily create a ton, but on the other hand, I think if that Rooney goal had been allowed to stand, I, th- I think it looked like the correct call that he was a step offside. Um, but if that goal had stood after, you know, coming six minutes after the first goal, I think the Rowdies might have crumbled a little bit. Um, and we might not be talking about a one nothing. We might be talking about three nothing or something like that. Um, you know, so they, they came close to turning this game into sort of the a more appealing performance than um, what they got. Uh, I think they were all, uh, approaching having a, a good outing. Um, they just didn't quite get over the edge. Um, from an individual perspective, I mean, there's no standouts. There were no players that played partic- particularly badly. Um it was just sort of okay across the board. There was a lot of, you know, six out of 10, 6.5 out of 10 performances. It was just a lot of um, just doing just enough to to get through it. Um, yeah, it was, I think the talent yeah. difference was pretty clear. Um, mm-hmm. you, you'd see Tampa Bay's center backs who, who had a pretty great game. Honestly, they, they'd make a big play and then, the ball would go forward and the Tampa Bay attack would just kind of fizzle because they, they couldn't bring much to bear outside of that first 23 seconds where they got a a header on goal or not on goal, but they, um, I think it's worth mentioning, um, that, that sequence kind of summed up DC's start to the game because DC had the kickoff. Um, the kickoff was taken sort of sloppily and then they tried to play the ball over to Hara and it was, uh, over his head and out of bounds. Uh, it was a disaster of a kickoff. Um, it was the kind of kickoff that happens if several players are just not ready for the game to start. Um, it's like they didn't hear the whistle and the ball was coming back to them. Like, what am I, what is this doing here? Um, and Tampa, meanwhile, was super hyped up and ran for the ball, threw it in. Hara, um, you know, the ball goes over, goes past him out of bounds, and then he's now stepped up because it was an attacking phase for DC. And Mm -hmm. Tampa just threw the ball over his head real quick and ran down the wing. Um, And that, that play by itself should have been enough to slap them in the face because uh, I think it was Andrew Tenari had the header uh, that went wide. That should have been a goal. Um, It should have been one, nothing after 20 something seconds. Um, And it is a little upsetting that it took 10 more minutes of being outplayed and pushed back so far. Um, to get going. 
on the other hand, you know, there were some things that I liked. I liked that even in the face of a team that was just throwing a ton of numbers into a high press, United was still trying to pass out of the back. I didn't like the outcomes from a lot of those attempts, Um, but it's good that they kept at it rather than getting away from it. Because if you're going to get better at that, you have to keep doing it. And I think towards the end of the game, they actually got pretty good at it. It just took them a while to actually start to figure out the angles. And I, I I guarantee that this was not, um, I mean, I knew the Rowdies played, um, with a back three or a back five. So I'm sure United knew that, but I'm also sure they didn't spend any time preparing because it's a preseason game. There's not, the whole thing is to get better on your side of things, not to scout your opponent so that you can win this preseason game. No one cares if you win the Suncoast Invitational, they care that the performance is good. Um, So the surprise factor, I'm not too concerned about. I don't think they're going to get caught by surprise by Atlanta. so that's that phase of it. I don't worry too much about, but um, I think the game was useful, if not actually very good. I think it's worth noting, uh, as Ben mentioned, uh, Leo Hara left the game with a knock after about 15 minutes. And uh, I think St- Steve Goff reported that Paul Ariola also on a, a minor injury, uh, both are reported as day to day at the moment. Um, there, there is another preseason game on Wednesday against the Philadelphia Union uh, in which Ben Olsen is planning to run out reserves mostly because it's preseason. You don't put out yeah, your starters on short rest. It, the guys that played the last 13 minutes are probably going to be the starters. Yeah, and I want to dive into their performance a little bit as well. The preseason finale will be Saturday. Uh, that's the 23rd against Montreal. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about the the guys on the field at the end of the game. Um, it was a lot of, th- there were some trialists, there were some guys who were signed to Loudon, and there were some academy kids who haven't been signed yet. And when they first came in, it, there was this really good, fluid passing movement out of them through the midfield. Um, and, and the first team had done it at one point, uh, maybe maybe even a couple points throughout the game where they could actually just play through and kind of have Tampa Bay chasing ghosts and shadows. But as soon as these Academy kids got on the field, they did it. And the the familiarity they seemed to have was, I I thought really good. And, you know, then, then Tampa Bay got back into it and got their energy back up. Um, But, but it was kind of cool to see more Academy kids out there for, for DC United and and showing pretty well. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think um, some of that had to do with, uh, you know, Tampa, once they made the subs, I think the group they had, especially in the midfield, wasn't nearly as effective without the ball. Um, when they had Poku on, um, they at least, I mean, he didn't really make too much noise going forward, but he was a force in the midfield in terms of winning the ball back. And I, I don't think they had that at that time. Um, but over overall, I think, that group acquitted themselves pretty well. Um, the, at the end of the game, Tampa got very direct and it was just a lot of hoofing the ball and then hitting crosses and trying to get an equalizer because for them, there is an incentive to try and, and get a result out of that game because it's their first impression with their home fans in front of an MLS team. That there's, there's something to that. Whereas for United, um, 
you know, I, I think there's some utility in having, especially for these younger players, having to grind out a a win under some real um, defensive pressure. They defended the box really well. Um, as much as Tampa was getting chances to put crosses in, which wasn't great, those crosses weren't really amounting to anything. Um, after I think there was one late chance where the um, the trialist uh, for Tampa with the spectacular hair um, yeah. nodded one wide, but that was pretty much it. And that was a great cross, like directly to his head and it driven cross there. There wasn't a chance for anyone else to get there. And I think it was even off a turnover. So yeah. that, yeah. One more thing about that guy. I think he was wearing number 13. He had which, hair, which like, hair like hair, like Maui from Moana. Um, his yeah. fantastic Troy Palomalu hair. Uh, it, I don't know what the uh, ethics or the, protocol would be on poaching trialists because uh, <laughs> he was a trialist his name was never announced on the at least on the broadcast that i that i could notice but if loudon county wanted to you know kind of slide into his dms and say hey if you want to come north there we might have a spot for you i would i would have no objection to that he was he was really impressive for them i thought yeah he was he was a busy uh busy very busy forward um yeah, he was fun as hell, honestly. Um, yeah, especially, you know, I think you could find um, some things to nitpick because I, th- I think he was just sort of running around. There wasn't a lot of, like, functioning as part of the team. Um, it made that said... But not necessarily the team effective. But he was still, yeah. it looked like, you know, he also looked like he was a high school kid. Um, yeah. He looked very young. So um, it's better to have something to work with than not. So, yeah, I will note that when United had a, a goal kick or a free kick deep in in our end at the end of, of the game, he was the one like kind of directing traffic at the same time for the press saying, you need to step up here. So it, that that's a good sign. I, I would say in a, in a player, even a trialist, especially a young one, mm. um, just knowing to recognize that and also having the confidence to, to tell your teammates who you're not even on the team with yet. Um, you need to do this. That, that was kind of, I, I, I enjoyed watching him. Uh, that was fun. Uh, any other thoughts from, from this game? I guess the, the general tactics other than even more dedication to playing out of the back for United were, were pretty similar to the second half of last year, uh, trying to build through, through Rooney and Lucho and, and get the wings involved. Um, the wings were actually, I thought very narrow through the attacking phase, at least as much as last year, Paul Ariola. In the second half, he actually played as the number 10. But even in the first half, he spent so much time in that central channel when the ball was pulled to the opposite side. He was just always like right in the center of the field, it seemed like. And and Steber to, to a lesser extent, but also spent a lot of time kind of pulling in, which, which was interesting, I thought. It makes room for that, that weak side overlap from the fullback. And it also, you know, helps create an overload, allows Lucho freedom to roam without vacating that central mm-hmm. zone. So I'm curious what you you saw there, Jason and Ben. Ben, you can go first. Um, I just I I thought it was decent. I thought it was not great, but I I liked the things that they were starting to put together, and I'm glad to see it continue. And it wasn't. It, it's not there yet, but it's it's starting to get there. It's starting to 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 
not click, but it's starting to slowly put itself together. So yeah, it's, it's getting there. It's a data point that I wish we had other yes, data points to compare helpful. it to. Uh, so yeah. we n- would know if there's progress being made or if they're kind of right. um, plateauing earlier than we would hope. But we don't have those data points because the first two preseason games weren't streamed in 2019. Um, I guess what I would add is it it, it it seems obvious that even with Assad not around, the idea is still for that front four to be very fluid. Um, I think uh, Dave Clark over at Sounder at Heart, when um, the Sounders were doing something similar, referred to their formation as the Amoeba. Um mm-hmm. I think ours is a little more structured uh, than that. I think there's a um, more of a clear four, two, three, one shape that people are moving out of, especially Ariola, who um, covers a tremendous amount of attacking ground. Um, he's often popping up across the other side of the field and yet still getting back across to um, be in position on the right when the ball turns over. So, mm-hmm. um, which is no surprise. That's his game. Uh, he's always going to put in the work. Um Rooney dropping off. Um, there was a phase early in the first half where Rooney was actually dropping off quite a bit to sort of um, maybe address the the lack of tempo in the game for United, which uh, is the kind of thing that with most players I would discourage. But with Rooney, it's like, yeah, you know, do your thing. Um, that's that's something he's good at. Um, and it was a moment in the game where United needed somebody to sort of uh, – calm the game down and set the tempo that they wanted to, rather than just let the game sort of keep happening at this helter skelter kind of pace. Um, so I thought that that was a positive um, Zoltan Stieber, who I was, I was focusing a lot on because it does kind of seem like he's um, got a shot at being the starter on opening day, more of a shot than maybe we thought uh, coming into preseason um, in moments. He was really good. Um, his ball to Rooney on the goal that got called back was glorious. Um, he was also, uh, it was his give and go with Acosta that created the first goal. Um, so on that front, that's pretty good. But I think this, this is something that's kind of happened with Stieber in the past is that we get good moments, but then we get, you know, five to 10 minutes where he's not really that involved. Um, and yeah. while it's nice that you can, um, you know, any any coach will tell you that you know good players making big plays can win you games, um, even if they aren't doing that well for ninety minutes. That's nice, but it would be nice to have the ninety minute side, and that was maybe the advantage with Assad was that he doesn't have Assad doesn't have the the technical ability to make uh, as many big moments, but he doesn't take any plays off. He's always involved. Um, and so he's more of a quantity over quality player and Schieber is maybe a little more towards quality over quantity. Um, and I do wonder, cause look, you know, does United need that sort of player with Rooney and with Acosta already in the fold? Um, I feel like the balance of having two very busy players to accompany and assist, uh, Rooney and Acosta in, in their, uh, scheming is maybe a more ideal way to do things. Um, we don't have that option, uh, at least at this point. Um, so Stieber, it'll has be to- nice to see TT Rodriguez on the field. Yes, we we haven't. We, we know he's played. Yes, uh, he he also was. took a knock um, before this game, but we haven't seen it because the games weren't streamed. Like like we right. talked about endlessly the last few weeks. 
So it will be, hopefully he can play on Saturday and we will see him and, 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 and have Wednesday something too. to talk about. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it could be a few minutes on Wednesday and we get something, some sort of baseline with him. Um, because maybe that is, maybe, maybe that is his game. Maybe he is, um, someone who is always involved. I know, um, that's the scouting report is that he's not a player that takes plays off. I think I've seen him referred to as dynamic a few times. Um, so, you know, maybe he's the kind of, and, and I think Stieber did a pretty decent job overall. It's just, I, I do wonder long-term if he fits with this group, um, as well as, as someone else. I, I do like him as a player. It's just, when you've got Rooney and Acosta, you don't necessarily need a third guy trying to also be a playmaker. Um, you need that other guy to be more like Ariola, um, who is just going to get himself in a position to do something with the, the chances that are coming his way. And that's, I think that's why Ariola had so much success. And it looks like that's going to continue, which is great news. Um, I also, I, I respect him for playing through a, like a classic boxers cut, the eyelid cut. That's mm-hmm. like what you need a cut man in your corner. Um, I don't know if um, the new ownership has afforded uh, DC United a cut man for the bench. Um, I'd kind of be amused if we saw someone with the um, uh, like the little hat that has the cotton swabs and the weird uh, Vaseline mixture that they put on boxers faces to sort of uh, stop the bleeding. Um, I don't know if that's actually necessary, but it would be kind of cool. Um, you, you, yeah. To be clear, you want like, a turn of the the twentieth century style cut yeah. man in the corner, yeah, um, like a, a modern cut man. Uh, we don't have to okay. get some some guy from the uh, the distant past who will probably be very alarmed at a lot of things going on in the stadium. Um, <laughs> my like my someone... kids still obsessed with newsies, okay. And so like everything just goes defaults to to eighteen ninety nine in, in, in my Europe, life right now. It's it's turn of the it's the industrial era. Yeah, like it's it's very much the robber baron age, and okay. and Teddy Roosevelt is governor of New York and kind of working on his progressive platform. Um, you know, the newsboys are on strike in in New York and starting the the child anti child labor pro child welfare movement. That's kind of where we are uh, I mean, in in the Taylor House. Robber barons. That's not too far from the truth. Um, I mean, so, history hooray. history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes, right? Um, before we go down that rabbit hole, is there anything else from this game? Uh, I liked, I was interested in seeing, and we only saw a few minutes of it. Um, and this is more of a loud United concern than anything else. But um, I kind of, I'm very curious about seeing Shinya Kadono play as, as a as 10, a but 10. not, yeah, he's a 10, but he's not really a playmaker. Um, he played that position very similarly to how Paul Ariola played it, which is a lot of, one and two touch, get the ball, play it off to somebody and make a run, make an attacking run. Um, the difference between him playing that role and playing as a second forward and just calling it a four, four, two, it's not too much. It's basically just a defensive starting position. Um, but I thought it was fascinating because you can see the work rate. Um, he's an extremely hardworking player. He's quick. He's not necessarily fast, but he's quick over short distances. Um, He's physically brave. He looks like he's physically strong, despite not being particularly tall. It looks like um, he has a lot of Paul Ariola qualities. Um, maybe not at the same level, but the same profile. Um, 
And I'm kind of fascinated by that because um, I liked what I saw of him playing at Cal as a forward. Um, As far as being a third round pick, I think he's um, probably going to be a starter for Loudon, I would expect. Um, But I'm, I'm fascinated by, I mean, Bustamante comes back, um, which we don't know what's going on, why he didn't play any part in this game. Um, but if he's not severely injured, if it's just maybe he had a knock similar to the other guys, um, if he comes back, I would expect him to get a start against Philly. Um, but if Kadono happens to play that role for a few minutes and United kind of embraces this sort of modern thing where you're not too concerned about having a traditional playmaker, um, you find another way to create chances without necessarily having a number 10. That's a nice, uh, a nice club to have in, in your, um, uh, your bag, because sometimes your playmaker might not be available. You know, Lucho might get a suspension or he might get kicked and have to miss a game. What do you do at that point? Um, and I like the prospect of having a few different angles and one of them being, well, look, let's not necessarily worry about having a traditional number 10. Let's let, you know, we'll let Wayne Rooney take care of the playmaking duties and have um, someone who's just going to be busy playing off of him and sort of reverse the, you know, the norm would be have your busy forward and then a 10 underneath uh, doing the playmaking. And here we've, we've, the balance is the same, but it's just shifted the positions. I think it could be an interesting prospect, whether it's Ariola or Cadono at, at Loudon. Um, there's something to that, that I think I'd like to see more of. All right. I think that's all we've got for, uh, for, for this game. Um, I'm surprised we didn't talk for an hour just because we haven't had soccer. <laughs> we've actually seen to break down, but you know, it wasn't filibuster. that of a game. It really it, wasn't. Um, there really don't, wasn't don't tempt a lot us. to it. I mean, Adam, we're playing Philly on Adam, Wednesday, Adam, so don't tempt us. <laughs> there'll be, there'll clearly be three red cards and all out brawl, possibly a, um, a hacksaw to discuss after right. the Philly game. Well, that's, so that's John what, Hackman. Right. Uh, Let's hope not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, a union uh, United game of any kind uh, involve It always ends up involving some sort of weird uh, acrimony amongst the players. Whereas the, the fan bases still seem to get along. Um, but the games like, you know, there was the preseason game a couple years ago where, uh, Lucho got injured while himself getting booked for a tackle that probably should have been a red card. Um, and there've been scraps the D- and fights and the Dero headbutt. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know it, it's a headbutting a former DC United player at that. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is a tradition that needs to be observed. And so, um, Does I it? guess uh, it seems to be needed, uh, need to be reserved, so, uh, observed. So a bunch of, I don't know if, you know, this is something that, to keep an eye on is, you know, United we know is going to be playing the backups, the guys that didn't get much time. They're going to play this game. I don't know what the union's plan is. Um, whether, I mean, typically you kind of come to a gentleman's agreement. You say, Hey, we're going to play our backups because we just played our starters uh, a couple days ago. And they say, yeah, we're kind of in the same boat. Um, but it could be that the union show up and just send their best 11 out, um, which I, I think it would be more useful for United if that happened. Um, the result might not be good, but I think in the long run, it would be a good learning occasion for the young players, but who knows? Um, but either way, United's young players should probably be preparing themselves for a very hostile uh, Philadelphia Union pl- group of players, regardless of who those players are. It just something comes over these teams when they get together. 
looking forward to um, Philly fans getting mad because some player, possibly Marco Fabian, gets hurt against DC United and they they just hold it against us. It's going to be real fun. <laughs> uh, it, it'll be that's fun it for this streamed. Right? No, like we'll get to see this one. That'll be fun by itself. We hope. I I'm counting no eggs before they hatch <laughs> at this point. Um, the, especially after the back and forth on this game, whether it would be streamed or not, it seemed to be going back and forth right up until kickoff. Um, reports conflicting about whether it would be re- streamed and who would be streaming and who is responsible and what platform would be used. And um, it, it went full circle a couple of times. And thankfully it actually was streamed and, and hopefully the game on Wednesday and the game on Saturday will be too. And next week we can break both of those down before we preview the real freaking home opener uh, of the 2019 MLS season. That's it for, for this segment. We will be right back to talk with Matt Doyle about MLS's Eastern conference. Stick around. It's filibuster. Hey Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. As has become a little bit of a tradition here with two weeks before the season, we like to have one person on the show uh, as a guest to help us preview MLS's Eastern Conference as DC United gears up. That person is Matt Doyle, MLSsoccer.com's armchair analyst, and uh, he was nice enough to to join us again this year. Matt, welcome back to the show. It's good to be back. It's one of my uh, my favorite annual traditions is get blind drunk with you guys and try to figure out how the East shakes out. <laughs> yeah, man. Drinking and soccer nerdery. That is, that is what we do here. <laughs> so what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I have a Mezcal Paloma. Uh, I, over the last couple of years, I've gone to Mexico uh, a number of times on vacation and, and have really developed a taste for these drinks. Uh, and now, even though it is cold and, and gray and winter in, uh, in New York City, I am sitting here sucking back what is very much a summertime drink. It's the, I, the power of positive thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, drink, I can appreciate that. Drink the drink you want to live. No, drink for the life you want to live. Right? That's like go. dress for the job Perfect. you want to have. Drink for the life you want to live. 
drink the booze you want to see in the world. Yeah, I think so. That too. <laughs> uh, let, let's jump right into it. We are a DC United podcast, of course. So, so let's start at home. At MLS Cup last year, you predicted that the black and red will be hoisting mm-hmm. the trophy uh, come, come this fall. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious if anything happened this offseason that might change your mind. Uh, not really. I mean, it's, you know, everything predicting this league is a, is a shot in the dark. Um, but the only thing that I, I feel comfortable guaranteeing is that Atlanta United, as good as they are, are going to win at least one trophy this year. I don't know if it's CCL, Shield, MLS Cup, US Open Cup. They're taking at least one of four. But with MLS Cup, it, you know, we've all seen it. We, we've all seen teams just get hot at the right time. Um, you know, an unfortunate injury derails a, a favorite. Uh, as with the Red Bulls last year, a bad, co- well, it was an unfortunate injury and then a bad coaching decision can, can you know, untrack a team. So predicting DC United um, is my way of saying I think this is probably a top five team in the league. And if anything, you know, if, if they should get hot in November or October, I guess, because it starts earlier this year. Um, like they have a, they have a legit good chance. Like if you look at this stuff that uh, MLS cup winning team needs, they have that focal point superstar. They have two other guys who could break the game open. They have the type of defense. It seems that you need to, to win MLS. Like they just check a lot of boxes. I know Ben Olsen uh, feels that, basically last year they they should have been that team he he's still in interviews talks about kind of how how hard how shaken up he was by that loss against columbus and in penalty kicks and how it it was supposed to be them last year they had you know the entire disney storyline laid out and just couldn't quite get it done in the playoffs the uh i I know we're talking about the east but i'm going to mention the la galaxy here for just a second march 1st is the roster compliance deadline (laughs) That's that's obligatory. Uh, March first is the roster compliance deadline. Right now, the Galaxy have four DPS, and it's not clear how they're going to get below the, the threshold to three. Um, if March first comes and goes, and the Galaxy still have four DPS, do you think any teams are just going to follow suit and dare Don Garber to block uh, or or Dan Cordemanch to block a transfer? Just to pick a team out of nowhere, say DC United throws some money at Vela Sarsfield and buys right. Emil aside. Right? Um, no, it's 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 a good shout, right? Um, and the it, I I I assume that they're going to figure something out, whether it's buying out uh, Gio Dos Santos or, or, or trading Alessandrini. Um, they. I can't imagine that they're going to that they're going to blow through the roster compliance deadline. Um, if they do, I like th- this would almost work to the benefit of other ambitious teams in the league because, yeah. like, okay, LA has four DPS. One of them is Gio Dos Santos, so really, they only have three DPS. Whereas, <laughs> you're DC, you know, whereas if you're DC United, you, you, you have Rooney, you have. I guess it's Areola. Yeah. And, and hopefully it'll be Lucho by the time the season starts. And hopefully Lucho. And then you get to go out and add that fourth, whether it's someone like Assad or whether you take a look and say, you know what? Let's just go get, a, you know, a 31 year old Italian international center back because screw it. We're, we're that close to, to being outright favorites here. You know, so like, 
I, I mean, that said, this is all like, I, this feels all pretty hypothetical and, and hopefully sure. ends up being counterfactual um, because it would be disappointing if, if a team was just able to go, no, I don't, I don't really follow these rules um, and start the season with four DPs. That would be, maybe it, that would be bad. Maybe it would start a throwback movement in DC. We'll see more throwback jerseys and, and throwback to the real days of Calvin ball mm-hmm. that the league used to have. Um, switching to other teams. Now we'll, we'll kind of go, choose your own adventure for for this one uh, instead of going down some kind of list team that's most likely to uh, or team that missed the playoffs last year that's most likely to jump into the the top I guess this year the top seven uh, are we sticking just in the east yeah just in the east uh, I, I think that it's got to be Toronto FC um, they're not I, you know, I'm still shocked at how badly they cratered last year, but that team still has a lot of talent. Um, They have a a new DP that they're going to get, I think probably sometime in the next week. Um, And they have room for another TAM attacker um, who I think they're going to get sometime in the next week. And when you have all that together, I mean, last year was everything that could go wrong did Um, it, 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 you know, it strains credulity to believe that that's going to happen um, two years in a row. Yeah, right now, as their roster stands, I was like, I was looking down the the table. And I was like, how are they going to do it? But if they've got room to get better before yeah. the season starts, and if they've got yeah. those players lined up, that's a different story. Yeah, and look, when Mavinga was healthy last year, they were like something like seven two and one, and he's been healthy all preseason, and they have a little more center back depth now. I. I just think they're like, I think they're just going to be way more solid. Obviously they'll, they'll miss a lot about Javinko, um, but they have the resources to go in and get guys who can make up for that while at the same time creating, I think a more balanced attack. So Matt, I always like to talk about my least favorite uh, MLS team, uh, the uh, Orlando city. Um I, I, I've disliked them since their USL days because they were bad against my hometown Richmond kickers. And I, I've just always disliked them. Uh, they have a coach that's not, I, I, I wouldn't say he's a, he's not an MLS coach that somebody would like go out on a list of someone you were trying to find for an MLS team and you would pick him necessarily. So do you think James O'Connor can, can helm an MLS team? And do you think he can uh, keep Nani from having any muscle injuries throughout this season and keep him on the field <laughs> for two thirds of an MLS season? Yeah, two thirds is like where the line is at, right? Like the the over under. Like, I, and I might take the under on that. Um, and, and there's also quite like, look, they've been playing a five three two in preseason. Nani doesn't have a natural place in a five three two. So now with two weeks left before the season starts, are they going to switch to a four three three? There's a lot of questions with Orlando City. I think um, if you look at this roster, though. This isn't a team that's like lacking in talent. They were just they weirdly underperformed at every level last Good. year. Good, you know. <laughs> well, you enjoyed it. There you go. Um, yeah. But like they, like they, Lamina Sana was a Bundesliga starter 
three months before he came to MLS, and it looked like he had never played a professional soccer game when he got on the field. You know, Sasha Question, we know what he did with the Red Bulls for three years, and I don't think he's washed. I think there were guys just not finishing the, his chances. Dom Dwyer actually had a, a decent year in terms of goals per 90. And, like, hosted by Coleman, uh, Chris Mueller, uh, Christian Higuita, these are good young, youngish players. Um, and, and I don't know, it just came together to be so much worse than the sum of its parts. It, it kind of boggles the mind. Um, do you think, do you think James O'Connor can get them over the line or so, is he not, not the guy? So here's a question to you, right? Like how many games do you need to see before you know whether a coach can do it or not? Um, I mean, we're at, with, with Ben Olsen, it was, it was a decent amount. It was four years of Ben Olsen, <laughs> but it's like, this it was up and down and up and down, but yes, <laughs> I get your point. This isn't 2010 anymore. Coaches don't get four years right. to, to figure Especially it out. Especially in Orlando, right? Especially in Orlando. They don't <laughs> even get two years. Um, we've seen, we've seen James O'Connor 20 games and they were like arguably the first, the worst 20 games, the worst first 20 games an MLS coach has ever had. Like it was worse than Paul Mariner in in Toronto. It was you know worse than the run at the end of Juan Carlos Osorio's tenure that got him fired. Like it was worse than any of the guys who who kind of disgraced themselves with Chivas. They pre quit on him. Yeah, I mean it's it's it it, it, it was a brutal stretch. So do you just toss that out? Because if you toss that out, then you go to O'Connor's USL days where he was regarded as one of the very best coaches in that league. And, like, I, I, can't, I can't toss that out either. Um, so there's a, like, there's a lot of stuff at play with James O'Connor, with Orlando City. It is going to be a monumental task. Um, I, I don't think he's going to get it done. And, I, like, I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but, like, it, this is more than just bad players and a, and, a, uh, and a coach who might be in over his head. It feels like there's something more to this four years of failure with Orlando City. Uh, Matt, I guess I'm going to shift. I'm going to bring it closer uh, to D.C. right now. Um, I think this is one of the teams you've you've talked a lot about because it's maybe the most interesting um, shift, for, especially for a team that made the playoffs last year. Uh, Philadelphia Union brought in Ernst uh, Tanner to run the show as the GM or technical director or whatever they've chosen to call it. Um, they made the playoffs last year playing one way, but they're going to change formation, change their approach to transition. Um, they've brought, you know, some pretty decent sounding names. Marco Fabian, if he's uh, available, should be good at least for a while. Um, Sergio Santos had interest from Mexican teams, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, so is, is, do you think that's actually going to work or do you think they should have kind of just tried to grow because they had a ton of young players last year. And if they had just continued to grow on that path, they might've just gotten better naturally. It seems like a radical change for a team that didn't maybe didn't need a radical change. Yeah. I think that sums it up actually. Um, and yeah, I think if I think if if Philly just stayed on the same track and got out from under, say, Jay Simpson's contract, and I think they moved off of maybe one or two other big bad contracts this off season, um, and brought in a player like Marco Fabian or 
uh, Sergio Santos in place of those guys, I would be like, yeah, they're just going to do what they did last year, except with more talent and more depth, and they're going to get 55 points. Um, whereas I look at what they're playing a 4-4-2 diamond press, um, which is a strange formation to press out of. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to look defensively um, when they drop back like a diamond. I don't know, uh, you know how wide it's going to play. Uh, and then you add Marco Fabian to that, who I, I'm not sure like he Nani, can press out of that, yeah, and, <laughs> and out and of just, any formation. Yeah, and just like Nani, you're talking about a guy who maybe plays two-thirds of the season. You know, and, and it's, it's, it's tough to, like, Philly are one of, I think, five or six teams in the Eastern Conference where you look at the roster and the changes they make, and you can be like, uh, well, maybe 60 points, but also maybe 30 points. Yeah, like like I can see them finishing anywhere from from third to tenth in the Eastern Conference because if these changes don't work, it's like it's going to fall apart in a big way. Um, that said, if the changes do work, uh, then this team could end up getting a boost. For, I mean, they had a really good season last year. They made the playoffs and made the Open Cup final. If they take a step forward from that. That means either a trophy or, or a round or two in the playoffs. That's a good season. Uh, let's let's talk about the champs. They'll be DC United's first test uh, of the the actual 2019 season. Um, obviously, Miguel Amiron is gone. I thought you were already referring to DC United as the champs. There, I was, <laughs> I was impressed. It was like that was the old DC United arrogance coming back. Everyone who everyone who who hates. <laughs> everyone who hates Orlando and and uh, and and Atlanta fans these days don't remember what DC United fans were like or Seattle years ago. Or, yeah, yeah, like even Seattle fans are tame compared to what DC United fans were like for the first five years of this league. Yeah. Hey I mean, man, it, it was, was earned. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was hard to turn it down. Um, <laughs> I, I I can attest to having been one of those fans. Speaking of teams with four DPs, by the way, Echeverry, Moreno, Diaz Arce, Harks. What you do is you just Eddie Pope. You just keep signing players, and the league is like, uh, okay. (laughs) And then you go out on the field. Um, It was really the Galaxy is pulling that uh, out of the the old DC playbook. It's just sort of blitz the league with expensive signings and (laughs) wait for inaction to work itself out. Anyway, I interrupted. Please continue. No, uh, I, I I like this. I like talking about DC United being good. It's um, <laughs> a, a welcome change from more recent history. Um, this this other United team that wears our colors and plays in a, a, a bigger spaceship type stadium. Um, Miguel Amiron out. Petey Martinez in. Um, new coach coming in. No more Tata. Um, what, what are you expecting from Atlanta? I, I know you already said one trophy, but is there any chance that, that something, what are the odds, I guess, that, that something goes wrong and, and what is their floor? I, I, like there's going to be something that goes wrong, whether it's, you know, more Barco nonsense off the field, or I guess we could say Carlton nonsense as well. Um, or somebody getting hurt or, you know, one of the, like they can't, they still can't really afford for Parkhurst or Laurentowitz to get old. Um, and both of those guys are pretty old. So there is going to be something, but I, I mean, even with two of those three happening, 
this is still probably a 60-point team. Petey Martinez isn't as good an all-around player as Miguel Almiron, but I think he's a better attacker. Um, Joseph Martinez, we know after two years exactly what he is in this league. Um, we know what Tito Vialba is in this league. And by the way, he missed like half of last season hurt. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to miss half a season again. Uh, you know, I just kind of dumped on Carlton there a little bit, but he's had a really good preseason. Like they're really impressed with his fitness and his ability to get in on the tack um, and, and create magic. Um, Barco has kind of a lesser role in, in terms of creativeness now, but um, I, I think they might be using it. So like it just keeps adding up and adding up. This team's stacked. This team's absolutely stacked. I think DePore is a good manager. Um, it, again, the floor feels like about 60 points. And traditionally in MLS, if you have 60 points, you're in the running for the supporter shield. The ceiling is, you know, 71 or better, what the Red Bulls did last year or even more. So Matt, I'm originally from Cincinnati. That's where I was born and born and bred. Uh, went and watched uh, some Silverbacks games back in the day. And I don't understand what FC Cincinnati is doing with all of these defensive midfielders. I just, I just don't get it. Does Alan Coke have a plan or is he just signing 17,000 defensive midfielders and just going to play a one, eight, one. Is yeah. he Martin Rennie in a bad disguise? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, the, that's like that. That is the, that is an apt comparison. Um, I like, first of all, I don't think Alan Coke is necessarily, uh, signing these guys. Uh, I'm sure he's signing off on all, if not most of them, or most, if not all of them. Um, but I, I think it's some uh, combination of Jeff Birding and, and Luke Sassano uh, who are making this deal. Like, but They just go out and they sign a new central midfielder every single week. It's wild. Um, the, the joke I've made is like it's, it's like trading places where they're trying to you know, <laughs> capture the market or corner the market on, on frozen concentrated orange juice. Like they're just trying to do it with defensive midfielders. Um, I don't, I don't know what the plan is here. I, I assume it's a five, four, one. Um, because when you have, like, you can't spend time Tam on seven different guys and only play four of them. You know, if you're spending that much money on them, you've got to play them. Uh, and, and they, I don't know if they have a plan to do that. It's weird. Um, maybe some of them are trade bait. You know, like they, they've cornered the market on, on central midfielders. Well, between NYCFC and Minnesota United, you got two teams that corner the market on wingers or trying to corner the market on wingers. You know, maybe they can package Victor Uyoa and a little bit of cash for someone like Romario Ibarra, who's a good player and a, and a good attacking winger and an Ecuadorian international and is like, fourth or fifth on the depth chart in Minnesota United. So like there are moves they can make, but so far it, they're not, they haven't shown that type of adeptness. Um, and, and at this point it feels much more like they're going to be in the uh, Minnesota United pot of expansion teams rather than the Atlanta United and LAFC pot. Do you think I'm they start have any chance? To- do you think they have any chance of making the playoffs? Like any reasonable chance? Obviously anybody has a chance, but any reasonable <laughs> chance? I don't think so. I, I, I honestly don't. This team looks, um, they're not, they're just not put together well. And they don't have, they, like, I don't think they have a single match winner. Like Fernando Adi might've been a match winner in 2015, 2016. I don't think he is in 2019 MLS. 
And then once you get past him, who's their second best attacker? Darren Maddox. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to start referring to some... How'd that go for you guys the first half of last year? So, he anyway. had a career year in half a season. And did. it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't go well. <laughs> I'm going to start referring to Cincinnati as the underpants gnomes. <laughs> Step one, collect central midfielders. Step three, profit. Mm-hmm. They, they sound like me let loose on football manager uh, without uh, a harsh budget. Um, uh, Matt, before you came on, we actually, as a group, decided to... Uh, we wanted to acknowledge that we're going to brush past the revs without even talking about them. Um, we feel like they deserve that nod and no more nods than that. Um, so I, I'm just getting that out of the way that we're just going to ignore the new England revolution um, because they've earned it. Um, uh, NYCFC um, speaking of teams that might be in some trouble, they lost David Villa. They lost young hell Herrera. Dome Turant seemed to be a, a progressively worse disaster as last season went on. Um, is this the team, not just in the East, but maybe in the whole league, is this the team that's going to fall the furthest uh, from last year to this year? Again, this is one of those teams where you could talk me into 60 points or you could talk me into 30. Um, and and it, almost all of it hinges upon uh, whether or not Dome Toron can, can coach. It, it's like James O'Connor. We have 20 games of data on his ability as a coach in MLS, and it's not good. It looks really, really ugly. Um, other than a couple of late season wins at home over uh, over a Philadelphia team that was out of gas, like they did nothing. If you think that that was a mirage and he's actually going to have this thing, you know, running smoothly um, because he has a preseason, then okay, that's probably a pretty good team because if you look around, they have a lot of talent. Um, if you think he is something less than a good coach then you're talking about a team that could fall very, very far, can lose 20 points or maybe even a little bit more off their total from last year. Um, and if that happens, it's obviously a, a, an absolute disaster for this NYCFC team. Uh, do you think, um, s- sticking with them for a second, they spent a ton of money on Alexandru Mitrita, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it looks like he is a pretty good player, but we're also talking about, eight or $9 million on a guy that was just in the Romanian league. Um, does that seem like a reasonable expenditure to you or, or is it maybe more that league reputation is a sign that this was a mistake? Um, I, I mean, he failed out of Italy. He, mm-hmm. he was not, he was not good in Italy. And uh, you know, when he was sold back to the, his, I don't even know how to say the name of the Romanian team. Um, he was sold for seven hundred thousand, mm-hmm. and then they then they paid ten times that amount, maybe even a little more, uh, to to get him. It's it's a head scratcher, um, and uh, you know I'll, I'll give you an anecdote. Um, I, I talked to a a friend who works in the industry, and um, he was <clears throat> watching game film and of of the signing, and I and I said, you know, so what's your take? What do you what do you think of this guy? And he's like, I'm not trying to figure out whether or not he was worth an 8 million or eight five point five million dollar transfer. I'm just trying to figure out from this tape is he, if he's actually even good enough to play in MLS. Wow. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. And this is someone who knows the game and whose opinion mm-hmm. I, I respect and who is often very, very right. Um, so it, it, like, 
I, I'm sure you know he'll he'll get plenty of chances to prove that he was worth the the outlay. Um, but I, I I I feel like there's major bust potential here. So I feel like we're we're one more failed NYCFC signing from them just going full Galaxy Brain and signing indoor players to play just because of like Landon Yankee Donovan. Stadium. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got Landon Donovan out in San Diego and Dwayne DeRosario. He's still playing up in Mississauga. So yeah, that's right. Two guys, it's a pretty good attack. <laughs> Speaking of DPS, all right. So uh, the uh, the team that knocked DC United out of the playoffs last year, the Columbus Crew, undergoing their own changes this year. Greg Berhalter obviously gone to to the national team, um, and and. I, I like to think his performance actually shutting down uh, Lucho and Wayne Rooney in that game helped solidify the job, but I'm under no pretenses. He actually <laughs> had the offer months before that. Yes. Uh, Caleb Porter coming in. What is he going to do in Columbus? Because Burhalter famously is system first, second, and last. Uh, whereas, whereas Porter was more pragmatic in Portland, despite his reputation at Akron before that. He's back in Ohio. It sounds like he's comfortable there. What is Columbus going to look like this year? I, I think that Porter, is, like you said, he's a pragmatist, and, and uh, the pragmatic thing to do when you when you have a a team and a system like the Crew is to not mess it up. Um, you know, like what what Columbus have works. They were one of the best teams in the league in terms of expected goal differential last year, and they just underperformed. In, in front of net. Um, With Jesse Zardes, no way. Yeah, well, I mean, he was the one who didn't. It was everyone else, man. Their <laughs> Ironically. Wingers were, their wingers were abhorrent. Um, and, and so if you're Caleb Porter, or any, you know, anyone who gets to this level in the game it has a certain amount of self-confidence, maybe even arrogance, and believing that you can get better out of these guys than the previous coach did. So maybe that's, you know, maybe that means bringing in someone new like Rubinho, not that Rubinho, a different Rubinho to, to play on the wing. Um, you know, maybe he, he thinks that he can unlock Justin Miram and, and help him rediscover what he had from 2014 to 2017. Um, but I like, I look at this team and, and say, like, this is a group that, um, you know, they were one average winger away from being like a 55, 60 point team last year. And I'm sure Caleb Porter knows that. And I doubt he wants to, uh, to mess up what's been a good thing so far. And, and remember, like he's, he already coached Will Trapp. He had Will Trapp with the, uh, w- with Akron. Um, and, and like, he, I'm sure recognizes a good thing when he sees it. And a lot of that system is built on Will Trapp. And I doubt that's going to change. So Matt, I, I unfortunately have to talk about the New York Red Bulls being actually good. It pains me, but they have Aaron Long resigned. They have Tim Parker as a great foundation. Is there any way they're not in the top three in the East this year? I mean, maybe, maybe if if Bradley Wright Phillips regresses hard, um, you know, age finally catches up to him and. Uh, Kaku throws a, another fit during the summer transfer window, and and just ruins the uh, ruins the chemistry. You know, maybe both um, Long and and Parker get a little complacent now that they're on big money. That's happened before. Maybe 
Lawrence and yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of sounds meetings, like a lot. Yeah, it it doesn't seem likely though. This is still a really really good team. They're going to miss Tyler Adams. Um, you know, BWP is 34, and 34 year olds tend to be worse than 33 year olds. So that's a concern. But I actually love the kid that they have, Brian Brian White, who they drafted last year and who kind of tore it up with uh, uh, in the USL. And they went out and they spent two million dollars on a, some Danish striker, 18 year old kid as well. And I trust their overseas scouting much more than I trust most other teams in the league. So I think the Red Bulls are going to be really good. They're not going to have 71 points again. They're not going to have a plus 30 goal differential again, but this still looks like one of the top two or three teams in the Eastern conference. And um, maybe one of the top two or three teams in the entire league. Well, that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Other teams that exist in, Major League Soccer's Eastern Conference are the Montreal Impact and the Chicago Fire. Sorry, guys. We're yeah. not going to talk about you. Neither is anybody say, else this year. Let me just say, don't don't sleep on the Impact. I know you guys drilled really? them in that huge game last year. It was a 5-0. Um, yep. But that was like their one bad game the entire and, and, last four or five months of the season. Uh, I'll throw in, that game easily could have been like 6-4 to four or some such. Oh. Uh, Montreal had a bunch of wasted chances in that game. I can't believe that that ended with a shutout for either team. Yeah, that game was wild. I actually yeah. think that they're going to be like, I have them as a, as a pretty solid playoff team in the East. All right, Matt Doyle. Thanks again for coming on and nerding out with us and, and drinking your mezcal with us uh, to, to our listeners who either don't know where to find you or haven't blocked you. Uh, where can they, where, where can they do that on, on the internet? Uh, you can please come block me uh, on Twitter at Matt Doyle 76. And you can uh, read and, and comment negatively on all my stories uh, on MLSsoccer.com. Find us at blackandredunited.com. We're on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at blackandredu. Email is filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support us financially, do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm told rating and ratings and reviews are helpful, as is not slurring your words. Uh, <laughs> mostly, though, please tell a friend about have? the show. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've only had one so far. I'm just not on enough of a roll. My, I'm, I'm still in preseason two, Matt. Okay. Shake off the rust. Yeah, exactly. Um, Please tell a friend about the show. Try not to slur your words when you do. But, you know, if you're at the bar, people are going to excuse it. They might even find it endearing. I don't know. Uh, I'm not your friends. Maybe I am your friend. I don't know. I'm not going to go into it. For uh, Ben and Jason thanking Matt Doyle one more time, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Guys, I'm going to go into business with uh, Matrita's agent and get rich. (laughs) 